This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 podcast. Um, we are on episode 15 of the season. Um, we've got a bit of a special today. We've got Neil Critchley joining us um, at some point in the next sort of, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So um, watch, listen out for that. Thank you everyone for joining and listening again. Really appreciate it. And as ever, feedback is welcome. And anybody who wants to jump on the pod, you know, just drop us a line. We're happy to have any fans on like we have done historically to give their views. Um, another tough week in the life of QPR fans. Um, to talk us through that today, um, we've got Duncan, calling him Barbe. Yeah, Barbe, what are we on? What are we on now? I think I looked, mate. It was, it was seventy. Is it a seventieth podcast over the last is three it, years? Is it? Wow, seventy. Like that's that. mad. Yeah. I can't believe consecutive that many. appearances. Well, hopefully I'll be yeah. a bit like Barbie recently and he scored two, didn't he? And he scored a free kick finally. So hopefully I can pull one out the bag today. Scored a free kick. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. It just topped off our whole defeat. You know, Barbie, yeah. top corner free kick. Um, <laughs> I miss him. You all right though? Yeah, you good? Yeah, yeah, all good. What's this What's this shiner about that you're, <laughs> you've got? Uh, so basically I play football on a Monday night and obviously I'm a centre-back. Uh, ball comes up, big, big striker just comes and just gives me a little sly elbow. Straight on the on the cheekbone. That's it. That's what you're going. That's what you're going with. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Jack Supple. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. Cheers for having yeah. us on. No worries. Love having you on the show, mate. Um, how are you? Good. Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Uh, QPR side, of course. Um, and it's, yes. I'm, I'm sorry, Duncan, that you know the the old target men are still knocking around. I thought they were dying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I played an over 35s league, mate. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the only way you can get past anyone, isn't it? You yeah, that's it. Um, Oh, lads, here we are again. Um, which, look, I, I keep meaning to try and do a bit more of a positive podcast. <laughs> we say it at the end of everyone. We need to be a bit more positive. Um, so anyone listening, I, I don't. we're going to try, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I, Hull's been in God. You say, Dunk? I say, how can we put a positive spin on Hull? No, like, I just, <laughs> oh, just have I to mean, laugh about it, don't we? You either laugh or cry. That's how bad it's getting. I'm, I'm, I'm massively concerned about 
the club at the moment in in relation to the playing st- the playing staff and just the mentality and attitude is just continually and and, and you're going to get it every now and again with any football team you know things aren't going to go your way and, and and players aren't going to turn up stuff like that but it just seems to be happening far too often we what and and I think Neil Critchley said something really which I agreed with at the weekend which was when the going when the game calms down or when a team doesn't start well at the opposition team we're all right then we can play we can create we look all right but whenever whenever a team gets going puts us under pressure like when we play like a lower you know in a cup game or you know we play someone at the bottom of the league who's fighting we just crumble honestly we've got no backbone um and it's becoming an issue not just with any group of players with any manager it's like it's like ingrained in the club at the moment i'm sure you'll agree with that and i don't know who or where we blame how we overcome it but critchley has got a massive job to 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 get rid of that because he's got the same players that that crumbled at the end of 2021 with warburton crumbled you know has crumbled against every time we play a half decent a team at the bottom half at home we seem to crumble we were top 14 games ago we've won one game since um I just, how do we get over this, lads? What, what, what are your views? Um, well, I feel like if you look at any of us, like any QPR social media at the minute, a lot of the fans' anger is aimed not at Critchley, not even so much at the players. It's at the board and like that kind of stuff. But like you said, it was the players, the same players under Warburton, same players that under Bill when Bill got his head turned have now crumbled. So. Is it right to blame focus at the like the blame at the board? I know we've all got a short the board has got their shortcomings, but surely the players have got to be stepping up and saying actually we are more at fault than anyone else. That's provided the quality's there. I, I mean, uh, do you know what I mean? Like what the recruitment? We were top of the league, so the quality was there. That's the point. Doesn't the, yeah, but doesn't the we're already top after the sort of like well, how many games like nine or ten like and I don't know I just feel like to be a top that's, team that's to be a quarter top of quality, a t- that's a quarter of a season we were top of the table after like you know mean? sustain that over over a, a longer period of time which we can't seem to do even under Warbs we can't we couldn't do it over a whole year it was a, it was a really good two or three months when everything was going great once something doesn't go great we lose a game badly or I don't know we play badly it, it just seems to crumble and we go on these mad runs where we lose five six seven in a row and it's consistent over the past two three four five years yeah Jack yeah like this this run of form um it's a little bit reminiscent of the 2021 uh, one season where uh Warburton um we were the first half of the season we were near the relegation zone and then we signed uh Austin Johansson Phil Vice. And especially in Austin and Johansson, it kind of their attitudes and their like sort of professionalism lifted the standards a bit. And there was a bit more of a backbone to the team, especially, you know, device as well, you know. And you got to feel that it's lacking now. I mean, and part of the part of that, Johansson's not been there as well. I'm, I mean, I'm putting my eggs in the basket a little bit, but I think he'll make a massive difference when he comes back and he's, you know, fully fit. But he hasn't been fit. And that's been a, a major fault in in that signing over the long term. But I'm I'm concerned, like you guys are, 
one win in 14 games in all comps. It's the, you know our lowest tally of wins during a 14-game run since December 2014 to March 2015 when we are in the Premier League, when Red Knapp to Ramsey, that sort of era. We're not scoring many goals, as we all know. We've failed to score 12 times in 31 games this season. We only failed to score 11 times in 52 last year. So we, we all know that issue, but that's, that's getting worse. It's the passiveness of our play in certain games when it's not going our way. They just seem scared, seem scared to like put any attacks together. It's it's not helping us having Jimmy Dunn, Rob Dickey, Sani Dieng, the fullbacks touching the ball so many times in the game and our influential players not getting a look in. You know, are they hiding? Are they not showing for it? Are the defenders not seeing the passes? Are the opposition putting us under pressure where we're not able to play? But it just feels like when the chips are down or the smallest thing goes wrong in a game, we don't, we're not reacting. Whereas under Warburton, I felt like we won a lot of points from losing positions. Yeah, we might make the initial defensive mistake and go behind. But you felt there's a bit of spirit at times with certain incarnations of Warburton teams, you know, the Eze Bright era or part, you know, the second half of that season where Johansson and Austin joined. There's there's been times where they've shown it, but we just seem just all over the place. We've had the third most shots in the championship this season, but the second worst conversion rate behind Cardiff. <laughs> you know, we're just not, it's just not happening this season. And I think Bill leaving, or ever since the Bill links from Wolves onwards, I know we've got a couple of wins, Cardiff and Wigan, but from when he was linked and had to turn them down onwards, it feels like there's been a massive drop in standards and the players, I'm not saying they're down tools, I don't want to accuse them of that, but it just feels like they're, they're not at the races at all. And it's hard to see how this slump is arrested. I, I mean, I don't blame Critchley for the one within eight games. I think there's a couple of games there that could have gone a different way. We could have picked up a couple more wins there. I mean, there's been some shocking performances in there. Fleetwood was shocking. Hull was shocking. I would actually say Luton was as well, personally. But I think he needs more time. I don't think he's the major part of the problem. Yes, you could argue substitutions could they have come earlier in certain games of course but you know it's it's very subjective but I feel like we need to give him time but ultimately and as Duncan points out there's you know question marks with the recruitment and question marks with the board how are they going to back him how are they going to support him that's what we're going to have to see you know but uh, I'm just interested to know what you guys thought about January really the, the and the business yeah I, I, it's it's so we're reliant on loans, aren't we? Which is a problem, aren't we? We what we need. We I think we would have brought someone else in had we not been at five loans. But we are at five loans, and you know, you look at it and you look. Well, if you bring in, if you do bring in another loan, you've got six. Taylor Richards, we're 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 probably going to buy, so we have to integrate him. He has to be a part of a squad. He can't just not play, right? And when Roberts, if if they're all fit, they all easily get in our squad, you know, um, probably start at 11. So it, you then sort of, you lose that, don't you? That competitiveness slightly. But it's where we are. And I think that that's the problem. That's the issue, isn't it? That we're using loads to paper crack holes, which we should be signing players or, but we can't sign free transfers because they're not going to be fit enough, are they, to play? No free transfer is probably going to be fit very short-term fix and we don't have any money to buy anyone. So uh, what else could the club do with the position they're in now? Why they're in that position is an issue, is an issue on itself. That's um, the question, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But 
I don't know what else we could do. We, we, we move Nico on, right move. We move George Thomas on, right thing to do. These players aren't... It stops us from playing them <laughs> anything. If they're not there, we can't play them. So who plays left back if, if Kenneth Powell's out? Clark Salt, is, I'd probably prefer him than Nico. And maybe yeah. there's a youth player floating around that we could give time to. I don't know, but I don't... I think with the restraints of what we've got, I think it's what we expected, right? I think we did our budget in the summer. Like yeah. when the budget we had, um, <clears throat> it was catered very much to what Mick Bill wants. And I, you know, it, from the outside looking in, this is my opinion, rather than maybe the you know recruitment have a, a list of players and they, you know, it more influenced that way. But I feel like we've possibly pandered to a manager's wish list a bit too strongly here and uh, him leaving I think has had a potentially detrimental effect on some of those players without naming names I can't place but their injury records aren't you know it's not great looking at some of those like your Roberts and people like that they're not never available it's a waste of a loan um, yeah we, we left ourselves in January with no room to play with even pairing up some contracts and even shifting out some you know some players that aren't going to make the first team on loan there just wasn't anything to work with. Jamal Lowe, I think, is a good signing. I like him. I think he's a really good player. He's looked really sharp at times. Could have had a couple more goals against Swansea. Bit unlucky, a couple of ones. Um, yeah, maybe a bit better. That's just rusty in the sense, surely. Yeah, like. exactly. He's, he's barely played, but, you know, he, he's he's contributing to goals. Goal and assist already. So, yeah, green shoots, but we just need things to... We need that win, don't we? We need it to turn it around. I'm going to say something controversial here. With the whole Tyler Roberts loan... We've got the oblig like the option to buy for what is it four million? Promoted, I think it was, yeah. But it, was it on if we got promoted, or was it another case of what happened with Nike Wells, where halfway through the season he scored fifteen goals and another club comes in for him and we didn't want to lose out again if that happened. So if that's if it's if it was promotion, this then my point is invalid. If it wasn't, surely the club have thought about the fact that they've got money aside in case that needs to happen. And they don't want to lose him because he's come and he's been a revelation. What's the point? What's your controversial point? Like, well, if if we've got money, if we've put put in a contract, like we've the loan deal, the, 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 surely there's money then. If that if another yeah, club I came see, in right. in January and said we want Tyler Roberts because he's been tearing it up for QPR, have we not got the money then to meet the obligation that's in that contract? Yeah, I, I we don't have four million, mate, in a million years. This um, is what I mean. What, so even... Was it purely on promotion or was it like? Just a little like loophole, just in case something somehow we went, we were like second, and to keep him, we could have got promoted. So the money would have been there eventually. I think it's just a clause to get him if we got promoted and he did well, and probably to get him in the first place because probably Leeds wanted him off his book, off the book. So it sort of enhances that, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So the same was we still don't don't think they would have had the money even if he'd been banging him in. No, I don't think. Uh... I don't. I don't think we're close to FFP. That's, but I don't. But I also don't think there's any money in the club available, cash disposable to go out and risk buying anyone in January. I think that's too risky. Um, with easy money sort of running out soon as well. So I think you know the club want to will be looking to actively sell someone. But the problem you've got now is who's going to buy them these players? I know Lyndon Dykes has got a bit of interest, but his value will be less in the summer with only a year left. Unless he goes out and absolutely smashes it, um, you know, Cher and Willock need to get going again. If they don't, 
who's going to want to come in. To, they may be interested in him. I'm not saying no one will come to buy him, but who's going to put in enough that the club are going to want to sell him for that value? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, what, gonna... What's more likely? Is it that we sell one of our players that we've currently got for a decent transfer fee or we get money because Eze's resold from Palace to a bigger Premier League team? Okay. And we get the, you know, that sell-on that we've got. I mean, it's that's looking our, like the most promising potential for a transfer windfall. I mean, such as the form of some of these players and such as, you know, the way their heads have dropped and their performances have nosedived. I mean, Rob Dickey, Chris Willock, to a lesser extent, you know, the Elias Chair and Senny Dieng um, might be a bit harsh on them too. But like, Luke Amos, Andre Dizel. Hasn't been like right. Sam, and I'm worried about Sam Field. He, I thought he didn't think he was, he has been great the last couple of weeks. Not, And he has been probably player of the, se- player of the season, really. But you're just worried that this is, is affecting him and he'll start to, it's just a worry isn't it we just need that one uh, like we just need something to turn it around and you know winning will breed confidence and then off we go but like to have not won since Preston and have one winning 14 it's natural the players are where they are but you just want to see a bit more fight I mean they phoned it in against Old, and it was just it was disgraceful to see and I feel very sorry for the fans that made that journey up there for me, for, for me it, it was the second half performance was the worst literally like the second goal I, I don't even want to I'm an insulting schoolboy saying that was schoolboy defending for the second goal like yeah. what was going on with that and the third goal was a ball over the top from the centre back like I mean again was one of them like, was Osman Kekai oh, I mean, like, reminded the, me of why I, I I don't. I don't. Kakai was he was chasing someone back, so he's running that direction. Whereas if you watch, I was watching the highlights earlier, and for me, it's Dicky. He steps up to where two of our own players are already going to where the ball is. He steps up, leaving as it Connolly free and unmarked in the middle of the middle of the. He does that a lot, Dicky. Ball watches a lot. I always. He didn't need to. He didn't need to be interfering with play there. If he'd been watching his man, (sighs) I think it could that could have been avoided. But he goes back to when we've been saying for the last few weeks, there's no leaders. And we, there's not, neither of our centre-backs are what you would say are a traditional old-school centre-back that's going to be barking orders, getting that back four in a, in a line and being organised. We haven't got that. I don't think there's a huge amount of chemistry um, from a playing uh, viewpoint between Dunn and, uh, Dunn and Dickey. I think they don't seem to be on the same wavelength at times. Hence, you know, what you were, you pointed out against Hull, like the movement at the wrong points are not, not level, they're not in tandem I don't I'm starting to wonder if our centre-backs all of them at the club are suited to being in a three at the back um Dickie's best form was in a three arguably Dunn's was in the three when he had two two either side of him and Clark Salt was played in the three at Coventry but you know when Clark Salt has been fit he's, he's been one of our better better centre-halves especially with his distribution so he's been missed but again another player signed with a really checkered injury past so questions have to be asked about the recruitment ultimately they do because we're in this position because the recruitment's not been good enough we continue on this on this current vein of form even remotely and we end up you know 19th 20th just escape someone at the end of the season has to be accountable for this i don't know who it is so i'm not saying you know whether it's les lee the board but something has to change it has to like it can't not can it and i'm and, and if this form continues, I don't even think the fans are going to turn on, on Critchley. I think they're going to vent their frustration at the board and Les 
which says everything, I think. I think you just have to look at what's happened over the time since Les has been director of football. Like, apart from Eze, the, the model hasn't worked. He's the only player we've bought in for cheap and sold on for a big profit. You know we're not frust- doing it each season. Do you know what I mean? We're not doing it every season. Like you know what the frustration that. thing is, right? Is that I see clubs selling their players for this is the this is the annoying thing for me. So you know Semedo's gone to to Bournemouth for nine million, rising yeah. up to fifteen, right? He scored what is it? What did I see? Twenty one goals in hundred and fifty appearances, so it's super like that, right? Yeah. I know he looks he's quite fast, he looks right. And that um shooter at Stoke, the centre back, yeah. went for fifteen million a couple of days ago. That could have been Dicky easily, like that, you know, with the trick. Two, years, two John, years ago, yeah. Right, but he's just we've just it's just not happened, and it just this just keeps happening, you know. I know Easy's one that you can sort of, but there's always one, isn't there? One diamond, but every club just seems to, and then we go to these last days, or we go to these January windows, and we go, why aren't we buying him? Why have Bristol City just signed, you know, that Wickham lad? He looks quality, by the way. Um, he's like their best player, and we can't. We, mate, we we apparently million pound, wasn't it? A million pound. We, we inquired about him. No chance we're paying a million pounds for him. Gone to Bristol City. Well, they've just gone and sold some media. That's why. But we aren't doing that. So, you know what I mean? the, mod, the model's not fully functioning, is it? You know, no. the, 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 a lot of the championship market's fallen away post COVID. But then you do see these these signings pop up, and you, you're right to make that Harry Suter comparison with Dicky. Like that could have been a Rob Dicky. Um, we just need to get the form back going. Suddenly, these players will start looking like assets again yeah. instead of asses. But you know, it's just uh, one, one of those as well, would it? Football's fickle. Things can change quickly. Exactly. That's um, what I'm trying to say. It, it can turn, but we are. When, when are we going to bottom out? That was, you know, our question. You know, are we there? We, if, if we win five 0 at the weekend, we'll all be loving it again. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not yeah. sure. We'd, but you know, Neil Critchley has got a big job on his hands for this second half of the season. He really has. But if he can get us going, then you know we'll be fine. You know we'll we'll crack on. But it's just whether he can do that or not is the question, and it is a question. I don't know. I I can't say that I think he is, and I I don't know if he's going to. But all I know is is that he's got a lot of work ahead of him. I think. Um, and, and the injuries are just a massive issue. It's still constant, isn't like, it? Constant stream. Constant. Every game we get someone injured. Like you know, Tyler Roberts. Have, you know, I mean that was coming. It was due, <laughs> but it was due, wasn't it? Like you know. But this is what happens with Tyler Roberts. He he, he gets a couple of goals. I maybe mean, think, oh, oh his, his his confidence will be up. He's going to kick on. No, injured every time. It's frustrating. Cause he's a player with a lovely first touch. You know, he's got a brilliant first touch, and he's quite he's, he's quite a sizable guy. You think. You should have a bit about him, a bit more about him, but it's just as he can't stay on the pitch and doesn't produce enough goals or assists. And uh, no, I, I think you you tick that one doesn't really fall under a transfer success for me. Um, it'd be nice to see um, Richards maybe get work his way into the squad. I think there's room for for him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you lads agree, and you can disagree with this if you want, but I'm not bothered that we didn't sign a striker in January. I don't. We're not going to go down. I don't think we've got probably enough. I say that, but you can hold me to that. But I, I still think we'll be okay. I don't think we're going to go. I thought we're a million miles away from the boroughs and the West Broms and the Norwiches and the Burnley. Like we just, it's not going to happen. So just play Armstrong until Dykes is ready again. And just keep. You know, he, he showed more. He showed something, it. didn't he? At Hull, he showed a bit of hole. The only way he's going to get better is if he plays. He just, he just needs to get that goal, doesn't he? 
if he gets that goal, his confidence would then go through the roof. Just stick him up front, ruffle up the defenders, he'll cause trouble. He might not tactically be great, but I don't know. I just think developing someone else's loan doesn't really help us come January, but maybe getting 15 games in Armstrong might put us in a better position next season. He's still Again, on the, yeah. Speaking of the loan, sorry to interrupt then. Yeah. Um, he's still on the Tim train at this point. Are you... Uh... Um, yeah, that's stopped, doesn't it, mate? It's stopped, well stopped. I, don't, I think like this change in formation has not helped him. He's not a number six, unless something drastic happens. He's just, he, he's not tactically aware. He's not aware of his space. And I know he's young and he could get better, but it, number eight is his position, driving forward with a couple of midfielders to, to, to sit back if he's not back. I think as well, like you said, he is young, so he's not experienced a first team like dressing room where it's gone wrong. Like in the under 18s or under 23s, okay, results kind of matter, but there's nothing, it's not the same as it as playing a proper like level of football like the championship. Uh, when heads start dropping, morale starts dropping, like as an 18 year old, he's not going to be the one that picks it up. He's going to be the one that goes, well, I'm just going to kind of like shy away into the corner. I don't feel like he has that personality to go, well, I know what my ability is. I'll drag this team up. Yeah, really, the loans shouldn't be set in the. No. the attitude in the dressing room they, they kind of go along with what is there so unless it's the Austin coming in club legends sort of thing you know it's different but like you generally a 19 year old or a 21 year old they're not gonna they're not gonna be the one that leads the group so it's down to those existing players you know you've got Sam Field Rob Dickey Jimmy Dunn those sort of guys Albert Adoma Johansson so no I you know it's gonna be interesting I mean Huddersfield we haven't got the best record there um so we haven't won since August 2015. Team, team struggling, dive for a win, dive for goals, upstep QPR, isn't it? That's just, uh, you know. So uh, what worries me is that Huddersfield and Blackpool have both got two games in hand over us as well. So yeah, as much as they're twelve points, as much as they're twelve points behind us, if they somehow Huddersfield beat us and go, pick up some points, we could and we don't start turning this form around. We are going to be. I don't. Necessarily won't it will be sucked into a relegation battle, but it could be we're looking over our shoulders a bit more often than we want to be. Yeah, I mean, it's a six pointer for them, this one, isn't it? They could yeah. be licking their lips. But I, I think, you know, we're on 38 points, win this. Enough. We'll win against Millwall, for example. We're, we're up to 41 already with plenty of games to go. Really, the mentality of the club should be looking up, not down. They're so. gaming ads against each other, Doug. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. it's, it's midweek. Um, unless there's midweek games this week. Is there? I don't think there is. That's the no. overarching theme, isn't it? It's mentality. The mentality's got to improve. We, we can't, can't be looking backwards. We've got to be like, there has to be some positivity and a bit more fight. Do you know what also I was thinking about the other day? Do you remember Bill used to say it, Warbs used to say it, and they're, they're right. We used to have a game every other three games a week and they used to never get on the training pitch. Imagine what we could do if we get on the training pitch. Do you remember that one we could train? Yeah, yeah. Well, Critchy's had that since he's been here. Like We, haven't, we, we only played one <laughs> midweek game in the whole of January and February. I mean, so it's not like we're not on the pitch doing training, not on the pitch. That's, for me, what I was thinking the other day. I was thinking he's actually on a pitch doing this. It's not like we're playing every Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, and, and, and he can't get the boys together and get them going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that was the yeah. concerning thing about the start at Hull. We just didn't start, did we? Oh, and, uh, right. we had all week. Yeah, but, Talking about Neil, he's, um, he's just come in, so we'll welcome him onto the pod. Let me know, Doug, when we're on. Yep, good. We now welcome onto the podcast current ours gaffer Neil Critchley. Neil, how are you? Thank you for joining us. 
I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. No worries. How's your day been? What have you been up to? Um, I had um, it was an EFL podcast this morning that I did uh, very early this morning. I was supposed to I was supposed to do that yesterday, but we had some uh, technical issues, um, so I couldn't do it. So I did that this morning. Uh, we then prepared for training, so meeting, etc. Um, the content of that meeting, we trained. Um, I then had a meeting with a younger player this afternoon. Um, and then looking at um, Huddersfield and preparing some work for um, training again tomorrow um, in preparation for the game on Saturday. And now I'm speaking to you guys as well, which is the highlight of my day, obviously. <laughs> it sounds like a busy day. <laughs> You've got us to end it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I guess we'll start with transfer window ended a day or two ago. I mean, did it end how you envisaged it or did it go how you envisaged it? It would. I mean, were you frustrated or happy or? I think any coach or manager would always say they always want more players and better players. I'd be no different. Um, I think you see, obviously, some of the players who have moved out over the course of this window. Um, you know, uh, some players need to go and play. They're at the, um, a certain stage of their career or a certain age that where they need to get regular football, and I couldn't guarantee them that. Um, I think that also then creates a bit more competition in inside the building, um, where players then feel as though they've got a better opportunity or more opportunity to play. Um, so in that respect, we sort of trim the numbers. Um, Jamal Lowe, I think, has been an excellent addition. I was really pleased with that. We did look um, at maybe one or two other options that didn't materialise. Uh, we had a little bit of interest um, in some of our players, most notably, obviously, Lyndon Dykes, um, which um, they didn't meet the valuation of the football club. Um, so, am I happy? Am I unhappy? I'm probably somewhere in the middle, if I'm honest. I guess what you probably see the fans' views. A couple of us were a bit, well, not concerned because we don't know the full extent of, of Kenneth Powell, but our fullback situation currently and with Nico moving out, I mean, was there any desire to try and fill that in? I know finances are tight and then bringing in another loan is not great but I guess yeah. we're, we're quite short in that area is that a fair um, assessment? No um, I wouldn't have done that if um, we didn't think Kenneth was going to be okay so okay. you know Nico wouldn't have left the building um, so that probably tells you what you need to know about Kenneth um, we're expecting Ethan to be uh, available for selection this weekend as well um, and you know, it also gives the younger players within the club, um, you know, room to grow, and um, I don't want their path pathways to be blocked either. They've got to see an opportunity to come and train with the first team and see that pathway to the first team. Yeah, I mean, how do you summarise your first eight games in charge? I guess it's not. It's um, been full of challenges, but some positives yeah. as well. I mean, what was your summary? Yeah, there? if you'd have spoke to me before. Um, the whole game, um, Fleetwood game aside, um, I'd have been relatively, I'd say positive. I'd have been um, satisfied a, um, of some of the signs of progress that I'd seen. Um, you know, I think 
before the whole game. We'd only won one of those league games, but we'd only lost one. And out of those four drawn games, in my opinion, we could have won two or three of them quite easily. If you add those points together and you put an extra four points um, on top, then our situation in the league looks completely different. Um, so it's it's important for me to keep perspective around where we're at. Um, that is not to um, take my eye off what happened at Hull at the weekend and also the FA Cup game at Fleetwood because in those eight games, I think there's been two really poor performances that have been not at the level required. And um, if those keep reoccurring and they've already happened, I say, twice in eight games, then that's far too often, far, far too often. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of improvement to make. Um, I have seen signs of progress. It's whether we can put it all together and be consistent enough. Um, again, prior to Hull, we'd been looking harder to score against um, and we'd look like we'd look like we were going to start scoring more goals at the other end of the pitch, even though it's it's you know it's it's difficult to go from a low scoring team to prolific overnight. And um I thought we'd showed signs of creating more chances um at the weekend against Hull. We we looked as though we'd taken a step back. We didn't create enough opportunities and the goals we give away were really, really poor goals. Um so it's something we have to eradicate and we have to do that very, very quickly if we want some meaningful games at the end of the season. Um, it, after the, the, the defeat to Hull, you, you spoke about the mentality being, you know, a big reason for the, you know, yeah. impact on the performance. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, can you expand on that a bit? And, and how do you address that and overcome that? Because it's quite a big challenge, I imagine. Yeah, it is. It is a challenge. Um, oh. But I enjoy a challenge. That's the beauty of coaching. And not, not enough emphasis, I don't think, is put on your training process during the week and improving the players at your disposal not just from a tactical or technical point of view, but from a behavioural point of view. Um, I was at a club where, you know, I thought Liverpool were, you know, one of the very best, if not the the best, um, in terms of clarity and consistency of performance. You know exactly what you're going to get from those players, home or away, in any competition because of how they trained. To do that, you've got to have the right people in the building. Um, so we've got to be humble enough to realise that we're far from the finished article and we've got a lot of work to do. So it starts from it starts from a good point, from being a good person and re recognising that we've got a lot to learn um, and what you do on a daily basis can have a major impact on 
um, your performances at the weekend. One question I've always wondered, and I'll ask you while we're on it, you know, you know, obviously all the preparation you do going into a game, mm. you do your team talk, you get out there. How frustrating must it be when sometimes the team, especially like we've shown on some games, they just don't start, something happens. What, a, my question is, what happens in that first sort of 10, 15 minutes to make that sort of mentality or attitude change? And, and, and how... What, what can you do on the sidelines to try and influence that? You must feel like there's not a lot you can do, but it's so frustrating because I get frustrated watching. So you must, you doing all that work must get even more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, um, very much so. Um, look, you know, we're playing, we're playing in a random game. It's 11 v 11. We've got a plan. They've got a plan. We're trying to break them down and, stop them from doing what they want to do. They're doing the same to us. You've got the referee and linesman and there's so many millions of decisions that happen and you're trying to sort of sometimes eliminate as much of that randomness as you can. Um, but also you have to take into context the psychological sort of position that the players are in at the moment. I've obviously only just joined in the last sort of two months, but the, the run that the players are on uh, are in at the moment was was before me, and um, so they're probably feeling it for a longer period of time than than what I am. Um, so when I'm thinking a bit more positively, they're probably they've got a little bit more of a hangover, if you like. Um, so, look how how you work during the week, the messages that you uh, portray, how you train, the, the the meetings that you have, and. The players are learning about me and the staff all the time. They've had a bit of uncertainty this year, a bit of change, um, and everyone's different. And they're getting to tr learn about me, uh, know what I'm like, what are my behaviours like, what do I value? And, and that's me about them. I'm learning something about the individuals in the group every day. Uh, and you, you hope over a period of time, you build that environment and that culture where everyone's together um, with the right spirit and we we go and attack every game and we we've shown that we can um but we don't show that every single game right from the start and that's um something again to say this something that is yeah very very frustrating to be honest you mentioned um obviously Mick Bill was a good friend of yours I think we, we, we've heard that historically what, what what was was there any kind of handover from him to you in kind of the squad and what his views were and, and how much has that influenced what you've done going for, since you've got the job? Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I do know Mick because we worked together um, at Liverpool for a lengthy period of time. Um, I did speak to him, but I, I, I've also made it, you know, my... Um, it's important to be your own person as well and not to walk into a football club with preconceived ideas. So I wanted to use my own eyes and ears as well and get to know the staff around me, get to know the players. And that's that's what you do. You sort of audit everyone, if you like, in your first sort of 90, 100 days, three months, whatever. You, you, you look around and off the back of your judgments and opinions and speaking to staff and players, you formulate a plan both on and off the pitch to try and improve the club and move it forward. And, and, and that's what I've done or I'm doing now. That's the process we're in now. Question I've got that I wanted to ask, which since you've been in the club, who's has there been someone that's impressed you the most? Someone who maybe you didn't think, or you what you know, or someone who you reflect back and they've 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 really impressed you in training or in match day or attitude. Um, 
I won't want to single any names out. I think that'll be wrong. Um, I think we've got good staff here. Um, good staff uh, who are, have got a genuine care for the players and for the club and want the club to do well. Um, I feel I felt a lot of um, support towards myself and the staff that have come in. Um, they really want me and the players to do well. Um, I feel like they're right behind us, you know, regardless if we win, lose or draw. Um, and that's a that's a good feeling. Uh, and the players have been they've been a good group to work with. I've I've really enjoyed working with them and getting to know them. We we've got a uh, a good bunch who do care um, and they're just not in at the moment because of the situation they're probably overthinking things a little bit and we just need to get back to basics um, strip it back a little bit and become harder to play against and be a bit more ruthless at both ends of the pitch um, Neil, just going to jump in now um, to no see, how have you found it at QPR? since you've joined and was it hard to come in after the World Cup break where, where the players had had a bit of time off but obviously you weren't there to take charge of that has it been like a hard coming then into the Christmas fixture list where it's a lot of games cramped into a short space of time um, you can never choose when you get to really come to a football club ideally it would always be at the start of pre-season or in the summer where you get six or seven weeks with the, with the players and you can you know uh, if you like, I'd probably just come to the end of my pre-season, if you like. Um, um, so coming in after the break, again, ideally, if you could choose, I'd have come in at the start of the, of the break. And But, you know, no one was to foresee what was going to happen during that period. And have some weeks on the training ground, we went straight into our first game and then into a really busy Christmas period. Uh, but again, you, the, probably the one of the the best ways of finding out anything about any player is on the pitch in the heat of the battle. And I learned a, a lot very, very quickly from those, those games. Um, it gave me, yeah, some room for optimism with some of those performances, but I also saw enough in those performances to know that we need to make improvements and the signs were all there before I joined. Um, you could say the signs were there last season as well. Um, this is not a new thing, I don't think. You'd be better placed than me to comment on that, I think. Um, but yeah. I saw that from afar last year, being at Blackpool. Um, and it, it, it's up to us now with three months of the season to go to make sure that the season doesn't follow a, a similar pattern to last. Yeah. Obviously, so now you've had a chance to assess like the whole squad. If everyone was fully fit and available to you, do you have like a preferred starting 11 that you'd like aim for or like a foot or formation that you would choose that once everyone is fully available to you because obviously you've been like you've kind of gone with a 4-2-3-1 and yeah. that seems to be your formation of choice just wondering if with everyone available would you tweak that is there anything you would like to experiment yeah. with yeah I'm, I'm not afraid to uh, tweak the formation if, you know the, the words you like there if I think it's the right thing to do for a certain games so sometimes you'll see like a certain player playing in a in a position, even within that formation, that might be slightly different from the week before. And that that might be just a tactical reason. We want him to play a slightly different role within that system. Um, I'd like to think I pick a team that suits the players that you've got at your disposal. It's all right me coming in and say, right, I want to play 4-4-2. But then we don't have the players capable of playing 4-4-2. That would, that would be madness. That would be... 
I'm sort of setting the players up in a system that they're not accustomed to playing or not suited to playing. I don't think that's good common sense. Um, part of football management is common sense. It's about looking at your players, what best suits them, and then putting them in that formation. What don't what doesn't change is our principles and how we want to attack and defend. Um, the, the formation is just the steering wheel. Um, uh, and I, I, I'd say I, if a certain game required us to go with a back three or a, a midfield three, then I, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to do that if I felt it gave us an advantage over the team we were playing against. Yeah. Uh, obviously, results haven't been perfect recently. Uh, do you feel the team at the minute that like they've you've got enough trust in them that they can turn this form around and like we can push on for the back end of the season? Um, I suppose time will tell. Time will tell. You know, I'd love to. You know, I'm not going to come on here and say, you know, um, make any outlandish um, statements or. <laughs> You know, look, we'd all love to be competing at the top end of the table, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, I'm no different. Um, I've got a good quality group of players here, but I, I, I suppose, you know, I always, I just try and be myself. I speak honestly and from the heart and tell you what I see at the moment. And if we don't improve at both ends of the football pitch, then we won't be where we want to be. Uh, it's my job. It's my responsibility to improve this group of players during the week so we give better performances on a consistent basis. If we do that and we can pick up some wins, then I think the feeling within the group changes. Psychologically, we feel different and you can build a bit of momentum and then you might build a bit of confidence and momentum at the right time. And if we do that, then we can have an exciting end of the season where, you know, I, I want to be... I think we'd all love to be playing at Loftus Road at the end of the season, playing in games where we've got a chance of competing to get in the top six. You know, I want to feel that atmosphere because I know it'll be a special, special um, atmosphere. We'd all want that. And, you know, I'm, I'm desperate for that to happen. Yeah. Um, obviously, just a quick one about, was it easy to take the QPR job when obviously the directors and that came knocking on the door? Like, was it something that you kind of had to think about or was it kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to get back into management now? Yeah, as soon as the the um, the option was there, or you know, it was available, I, I looked at the squad, um, and and the club, and I genuinely thought I'd be a good fit for the football club and for the players in within the squad. Um, so I was hoping that I would get the opportunity, but you never know. You know, the club is quite rightly does a recruitment process, and they're they're within their rights to employ whoever they think is best, and. Fortunately, that was me. I, I'm very privileged to be in this position. Um, it's a fantastic football club. It really is. Uh, and, you know, you look at the list of coaches and managers who have worked here previous and my name's on that list. That, that's really humbling. It, it really is. Um, I never thought years ago that I, I would be manager of, of QPR. Uh, I, I, you know, I, it's, it's brilliant. And whilst I'm here, you know, I can assure every single supporter and I think if you've spoke to the players and the staff here that, you know, I work, I work morning, noon and night to try and bring my best to this football club and improve it whilst I'm here. Yeah. Um, just a quick one. 
obviously the um the Taylor Richards like loan situation we haven't really seen a lot of him this season due to obviously him picking up a few knocks and injuries mm. obviously we know there's a is it an obligation or an option to buy him in the summer yeah how will you manage that kind of situation with regards to getting him fit enough to see what he can offer and if that's an option you want to take up in the summer is that kind of your decision or is that like with the board like who kind of would make the final decision on that no, I believe that the contract issue is already there. It's in place. Yeah. So that will happen regardless. It will happen, okay. Um, so Taylor at the moment, we've been trying to get him into a place where, you know, he's he's ready and fit enough to, to come and contribute for us. He played, I think it was 90 minutes. I think it was 90 minutes last week against Brentford on the, on the Tuesday. And then, um, I don't know if you see, maybe you did, but unfortunately one of his... Um, sort of close friends um, was involved in you know something very horrible last week, which set him back for a couple of days, unfortunately. Um, but he's been back in training this week, and again we got we get on that path of trying to help him to improve his uh, physical condition and his fitness and build up his minutes if we can, like we tried to do in a Brentford game behind closed doors, um, because there's no doubt in his ability. He's just now got to. Um, work as hard as he can and be patient and wait for them opportunities to present themselves. I'll just jump in, Neil, if that's all right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I think we're all quite excited to see really what Taylor Richards can do because he's, he's shown flashes when he has played here and there. So, yeah, be, uh, yeah. Well, he's be like a new signing, really, coming into the team. Yeah, if, if we can if we can get, um, get him fit and up to speed um, and we can build up his rhythm and his match fitness, um, then... I say there's no doubt in his ability. He is a very talented player. I've been aware of him since, you know, he went from Fulham to Man City many, many years ago. Seen him play many a times. Uh, was a thorn often in Liverpool's, you know, younger teams that I was in charge of. So I've seen him at close quarters um, and then going to Brighton, obviously, and then Doncaster in League One playing against Blackpool. Uh, I, I know him from them as well. So I'm very aware of what he brings to the team. Um, and Taylor's at a stage of his career now, again, where he wants to kickstart his career and get going. To do that, he's got to be in um, good condition, good physical condition. He's got to build up his training and his match minutes if we can. Um, and if we can do that, then, yeah, I'm hoping, like you are, come the back end of this season, he, he could prove a really valuable asset for us. Right. Um yeah, I just wanted to touch on um, Lyndon Dykes. Obviously, there's a lot of concern about his situation at the moment. Is there anything you can share possibly about his health at the moment? Um, I, I can't speak, obviously, about uh, Lyndon's illness too much because it's confidential to him. I wouldn't want to speculate too much. Um, he came off Swansea, as you saw, ill. Um, he tried to stay in at half-time, but had to come off. Um, he never trained until... Thursday of last week, um, he wanted to train, had to come off during that session and deteriorated from then. Um, he's in hospital, he's obviously being seen by specialists and he's on medication. I went to see him yesterday. Um, yeah, I think he was uh, probably half asleep when I walked in, uh, maybe not uh, thinking I was going to turn up at that precise moment in time. Uh, but yeah, he, he, I think he hopefully will be out discharging in the next 24, 48 hours. And I'm sure, uh, like I do, and the staff and the players here and 
all the supporters and the QPR family, we send him our best wishes and we hope that um, he gets back home and we can start building him up again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll just uh, echo those sentiments, really. Um, so since you've been there, it's been noted you've uh, attended some under-18s and B-team games. And uh, I just wondered what your thoughts were, really, on some, uh, again, not to name individuals, of course, mm. but just the, you know, the the academy and, you yeah. know, there seems to be some promising promising players, you know, especially, you know, the under-18 lot look quite good. Um Aside from Sinclair Armstrong, do you, do you envisage some opportunities further down the line this season, potentially, for some of those? Um, I, I hope so. Um, you know, that's that, that's the sort of the journey I've taken. Um, my background had a vast um, sort of portion of my coaching career has been in development and has been in helping young players to progress. And, you know, it's something that I love doing. It's something I'm passionate about. I... Um, yeah, I enjoy watching the 18s and the B team. It's something I it, it helps me to relax in um, in one way, just to go and watch a game and enjoy it uh, rather than having the pressure of three points. Um, I enjoy watching the young players play. I've enjoyed watching them play in the games. Chris Ramsey is a, ma uh, a massive help um, in the link between the first team and the academy. I've got Paul Hall on the staff with me, um, but I'm you know. Micah Hyde with the 18s. I, I enjoyed both of the Youth Cup games. And then you've got, you know, Andrew, Andy Impey, Paul Furlong. You, you've got some fantastic people there who are really good at the job, know what they're doing. Uh, and I just, I want the players to know, the young players to know that I know them, I'm looking at them, I'm watching them. Um, and if good enough, um, then we'll give them an opportunity. And I want that pathway always to be the, the pipes to be clean, so to speak, to give them that that um, feeling of optimism that the door's not closed at the end of their um, their journey. Yeah, it certainly seems to be you know a great vibe building in those teams at the moment. A lot of, a lot of good wins, uh, which is good to see. I mean, you touched upon the Liverpool background. Um, quite curious to know actually when you were involved. Um, the, what what went into the decision making in terms of when a player was deemed ready? You know, your Trent Alexander. Um, Alexander Arnold, Curtis Jones, what what was the discussions like? You know, what were you looking for in a player for them to be deemed ready for the first team? It, it's it's very difficult to quantify. It's very hard to put your your finger on it. There's there's no sort of blueprint for um, um, an individual's pathway to the first team. It's different for everyone. Not many people do what Trent Alexander Arnold did, which is basically, I suppose take the escalator straight to the first team. Most people have to, you know, do the flights of stairs and maybe fall over a few times and go on a few loans. And before they get to the first team, it's mm. it's not straightforward. Um, uh, it's not an exact science. Sometimes there's a little bit of luck involved as well. Um, if I'm honest, it might be that someone's injured and you get an opportunity to play and you're in the right place at the right time. Um, what, what you can do is, all you can do is, have good communication right across the um, different um, uh, you know for right right throughout the club through the departments um, and um, make sure that I I see the players so I know that you know if if such and such is injured or he might be out of contract and leaving uh, have we got anyone within the academy that instead of us going to look from the outside at a a buy or a loan or a free transfer, 
is it is there someone in house that could take that person's place? I mean, it's it's you know be interesting to see how that all unfolds really with the the current crop. So you know we we'll definitely keep an eye on all those players coming through. But uh, in terms of you know your personal coaching career, would, is there anyone that really or any coaches that have been really big influences on you personally? Yeah, I've got so many. I've been very very fortunate. Um, you know, starting at Crew, I joined when I was a young boy desperate to be a footballer. Um, I started coaching when I was 17, 18. I was still an apprentice at Crew um, when I I started coaching in the Centre of Excellence at the time, before the academy system came in. Um, and then I was a pro for a few years at Crew, but never never quite um, made it into the first team. And then I played non-league. But whilst that, that was all going on, I was, um, you know, coaching many, many nights and Sunday mornings. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate with the people I had at Crew. Um, and I think that's also important on my journey that Crew were like League Two, League One. They progressed to the Championship. I had about 10 years in the Championship. So I've not just seen like Liverpool and Aston Villa and the elite end. I've seen League Two and League One. That was all my formative years. So I think I've got a good sort of broad spectrum of what football looks like um, from top to bottom. Um, I play non-league myself, so I know what it's like down there. Um, I've had some fantastic... My old youth team manager when I was in under-18 was Steve Holland. Oh. Academy manager when I was um, a part-time coach and then full-time. When he moved up to be manager of the first team, I, I joined as a full-time coach at Crew. Um, he's obviously now assistant to Gareth Southgate at England's first team. Um when I went to Liverpool, I had Alex Inglethorpe, who'd been at Tottenham with Chris Ramsey, John McDermott, Steve Highway was there. I met some fantastic people, you know, like Mick Beale, um, Brendan Rodgers had, you know, been through my pathway and worked his way to the Liverpool's first team. He was brilliant with me. Jurgen Klopp came in. He was unbelievable with me as well. Um, I then meet Steven Gerrard. I, I, work with him. I go to Aston Villa with Stephen. No, I've I've come here. I've got Les Ferdinand, Chris Ramsey. I, you're talking about some of the best coaches and developers in this country in the past 15, 20 years, in my opinion. And I've had, you know, the fortune to work under those. So I'd have to be stupid or work, walking around with a balaclava on my head not to learn off those types of people. <laughs> um Obviously, just a quick one on the coaching side of it. You are one of only, if I get my stats right, you're one of only 16 people currently that hold UEFA's elite badge. What does that actually yeah. entail? Like, obviously, I know everyone's got like, their pro license and stuff. So to get the elite badge, like, what, yeah, what goes it, into doing that? What that was, that was a course that was, um, so after your A license, um, the FA were looking to, um, put something together for for coaches who had completed their A license. That was then beyond your A license, right? Is like what's next? Just because you've done your A license doesn't mean you you stop learning and improving and getting better. And it was like the brainchild of um, Dick Bate, um, who sadly, unfortunately, isn't with us anymore. He was an unbelievable coach educator. Worked at the FA at the time. Had been all over the world. Himself and um, uh, Alistair Smith um, put together a cohort of people. I was one of them. It was an 18-month course. Uh, it was an unbelievable course, the best course I'd ever been on. Um, and they then did it again the second year. 
Um, and they were trying to get that ratified by like um, FIFA as a um, where it would you need funding for these courses, and I don't think they ever got it. Um, so unfortunately, I'm not sure they do it anymore, which is which is really disappointing because I've got to say that um, that group of people, some of them have gone on to do very good things in the game, and I think that course played a big part in that. And just because you get your pro license doesn't mean that you should stop learning all of a sudden. So I think those those get-togethers, and I know the FA do now, like uh, alumni events, um, the LMA do events as well, um, and they're brilliant. They're, they're, they're absolutely brilliant to getting people together and sharing ideas and thoughts. Like the opposite to the REMS boss. You know, he's got no badges and he's like FM. And he, <laughs> it's like the it? complete opposite. Have you not seen Is that what? Is it? Yeah, is is? the club are getting fined like twenty two thousand pound a day because he hasn't got the right. All right. Yeah, he, the right, the right. Yeah, you have to have certain qualifications now, don't you, to to, to coach, yeah. obviously, or manage in the top leagues. Uh, you've seen that before, where it it might actually have been Gareth Southgate when he was at Middlesbrough, uh, when he went straight from playing to managing. I think they had to sort of fast track him through the A license or the Pro license very quickly all those years ago. Um, when he might have been sort of player manager, maybe, or he went from playing to managing. Um, I think it's it's probably, um, I say, a little bit more fuller than maybe it used to be as well, which is I think is a good thing. Uh, last two questions, Neil. We'll let you go. Just quickly, I just want to touch on Chris. Chris Willick. Um, yeah, he's all. You know, look. I mean, for us QPR fans over the last two seasons, he's probably been the best number ten in the league. You know, yeah. he's phenomenal. What he's down. I know you haven't seen it yeah. just yet, but he yeah. is. Unbelievable, and I think we're all just waiting for that spark or that what game just to click him back into gear again. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, I know he was injured a little bit before. Is it a bit of injury, a bit of confidence, worried about his hamstring because that's a bad, yeah, like injury to worry about, isn't it? Yeah, it called? is. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's a bit of everything. You know, when when a player's not in the form that he used to be, um, that psychologically plays on your mind, and I know from speaking to Chrissy, how much he cares, how conscientious he is about him performing and playing well and he loves this football club and doing well for this football club. And, you know, I think it was the end of um, last season when he got injured and then, um, you know, missed pre-season. That, and that's really important, those six weeks of building up your fitness. He got injured and then came back and then re-injured and it's been a bit stop-start. He then finds himself getting going a little bit and then the World Cup break. Um, so it, it's about him playing himself back into form and I'm just trying to help him through that process at the moment where it's quite hard for a young player who's probably never sort of experienced this in his career. Uh, if you look at his sort of playing history and he's, he's sort of understanding about himself and his body. And um, so we just need to be a little bit patient, understand where he's at, but also, you know, um, like you say, we're, we're all waiting for that Chris Willett that, that we've seen in the past reappear, and I'm sure, I'm sure it will at some point, without a doubt. Lastly, I, I, I just wanted to mention we saw you at Hull going absolutely crazy just before half time. <laughs> I, I, I was scared just watching you. I mean, what? <laughs> who was who that aimed at? What was that? For? Um, no, that that was. Um, uh, because Kenneth had gone down, yeah. it was just before half-time. Um, I wanted Kenneth to get back on the pitch um, because I think there was only 
two, three minutes yeah. left at a half. Kenneth was struggling, obviously. Um, but what happened against Swansea the week previous is we lost Ethan in the first half to injury. Dykesy then has to come off the pitch in the second half with an illness. You're only allowed to make three stoppages in the game. So near the end of the Swansea game, we want to make some changes, but you've only got one stoppage left. And we had three subs left. So we had those three subs lined up to come on against Swansea, but we're thinking, well, when do you do that? Because we were talking about it from basically the 70th minute onwards, but we knew there was going to be a lot of added time on as well. And I think it was seven minutes in that game. So you're thinking, well, hold on, it's only the 70th minute. If we do it now, there's there's potentially 25 minutes, half an hour left yet. And we were... So I didn't want that to happen again last week um, because it can really um, sort of decrease the influence you can have on the game in the later stages when you need um, those options from the bench. Um, so I was trying to say to Kenneth, basically, get on the pitch. <laughs> um, and, and when it didn't happen, I'm then expecting Jake Clark's Salter to be ready behind me. And it wasn't nothing to do with Jake because he wasn't. Uh, uh, and I just, yeah, at that moment in time, I'm thinking of last week, and of, we hadn't been playing well anyway, had we? Let's be honest, we hadn't been playing well. So at that point, it was uh, just before our time. Yeah, I lost my head a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Fair enough. Fair enough. Look, mate, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And um, you know, have a good rest of the week and good luck on no, Saturday. Appreciate it. No, fa sure. thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks very yeah. much for your support. I'm sure once we get going, we'll be flying this season. We'll I hope get so. going again, don't we? <laughs> yeah, no, I hope so. And if we do, then uh, we could still do something this season. So, you know, let's stick together and let's keep going. Yeah, definitely. Great. Yeah. Have a great evening, Neil. Thank you very Bridge. much. Cheers, Neil. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Wow. Insightful. He's got a big, as we've said earlier in the pod, he's got, he's got a big job, in my opinion, to um, to turn this around. Not to say he can't do it, but it's going to be a big job for him. Um, Huddersfield, lads, on um, on Saturday, we optimistic. <laughs> um, we say it quickly, quick score predictions before we leave. Do you know what? I think we're going to turn it around. I think we're going to get a two 0 win. You always say we win on every podcast. Well, I'm being I'm being optimistic. I'm being positive. I think it'll be a one all draw. I, oh. I'll take that at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, I'd lo love there get a one nil win. You know, scrape one, but I, I think it'd be a draw. Yeah, pessimistic. I don't know. I don't know. Two one, maybe to Huddersfield, maybe maybe two two. I don't know. We'll see. Um, lads, thanks for joining. Um, everyone, thank you for listening again. Give some feedback. Please retweet, etc., um, and share with friends and QPR fans alike. And um, let's hope we can get a result on Saturday. Yours. You yours. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.